You are listening to the IoT for All Media Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IoT for All podcast, the number one resource and publication for all things IoT. I'm your host, Ryan Chacon. If you are watching this on YouTube, please be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this on a podcast directory, please be sure to subscribe as well so you get the latest episodes as soon as they are out. On today's episode, we have Albert Yejin, the vice chair of the board, chair of the technical committee at the Laura Alliance. Um... A lot of interesting stuff to talk about here. This is kind of a lead up to the Laura Alliance's Big World Expo they have in July in Paris um, that we also will be attending. So if you're there, feel free to come find us. Uh, be great to kind of meet you in person. Give you a little background. The Laura Alliance is an open nonprofit association that has become one of the largest and fastest growing alliances in the technical sector since 2015. Um, so we talk a lot about what the alliance does, what alliances roles in general are in the IoT and the tech space, um, how LoRaWAN differentiates itself from a technology standpoint when it comes to the technical features, low power, long range, unlicensed band, low cost, those kinds of things, the importance of um, the technology in the space, what types of networks exist, so public, private, community, terrestrial, satellite, those kind of things, how they differentiate, the benefits of them, and so forth, and a bunch of other things uh, related to the market, LP WAN space, Laura WAN, and uh, we also finish up talking a little bit about the event, which I think would be a, would be a great event to attend if you are interested in learning more. Um, but other than that, I think this will be a great episode, so please enjoy it. But before we get into it, if any of you out there are looking to enter the fast-growing and profitable IoT market, but don't know where to start, check out our sponsor, Leverage. Leverage's IoT solutions development platform provides everything you need to create turnkey IoT products that you can white label and resell under your own brand. To learn more, go to iotchangeseverything.com. That's iotchangeseverything.com. And without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the IoT for All podcast. Welcome, Alfred, to the IoT for All podcast. Thanks for being here this week. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very, uh, very excited about this conversation. I wanted to kick it off by having you do a quick introduction about yourself uh, for our audience. Sure. Thank you. So my name is Alper Yegin. I'm the uh, VP of Advanced Technology Development and Actility. I'm also the chair of the technical committee and the vice chair of the board in the Lore Alliance. Um, so tell us about both. Um, I, I, we've, we've featured the Lore Alliance on here before, but at the same time, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your role there kind of what the, what the Alliance is doing, and then on the Actility side, kind of what the focus is for Actility. Sure. Um, so Laura Alliance is the um, open uh, nonprofit uh, international organization in charge of building the LoRaWAN standard and also running a certification program for certifying the end devices and marketing the technology and building the ecosystem around it. Um, it was founded back in 2015, and right now it has... Uh, approximately 400 members spanning uh, all parts of the IoT ecosystem and uh, all of the regions, including the Americas, the uh, Europe, and the and the Asia and the APEC region. Um, um, Actility is the leading uh, core uh, system vendor uh, in the LoRaWAN uh, ecosystem. Um, it's a founding member of the LoRa Alliance, permanent board member, and it's been involved in uh, building networks, both public and private, all across the globe. Fantastic. So when we talk about an alliance within an industry like IoT, tell us a little bit about kind of how you view the importance of an alliance and um, 
the role it plays, uh, the importance of an open ecosystem that this kind of enables. Just just tell us a little bit more about kind of that stance and kind of the value provides across the industry as a whole for the lower wind standard. Sure. Um, anytime a technology involves multiple um, parties coming together to make uh, a working system, we need to have interoperability, meaning that uh, we need to have multiple vendors building systems that would work again, uh, that work together with each other. Okay. Um, that is a lot of times not only um, necessary for building uh, large systems, but also it's good for bringing the quality up and the prices down to create a competitive environment. And in the field of IoT, we feel the need for such open ecosystem and interoperability the most, because in IoT, there are so many different elements of end-to-end systems. Hmm. And not a single company, no matter how big that vendor is or how big that operator is, can single-handedly build such systems. Hmm. So uh, IoT necessitates having a, a large ecosystem with multiple players coming together, playing together, defining systems that would interoperate together to build, uh, to build these uh, large systems to spend all around the planet and, and um, cater to hundreds and thousands of different use cases. So uh, Lore Alliance has been built with this spirit. So the, the companies that are members of the Lore Alliance have tremendous amount of experience in the industry, being part of other standards organizations, other alliances, and they have been bringing this experience into the Lore Alliance mm-hmm. that um, coupled with the, with the great technology we have, so we've been able to put the technology and the uh, open ecosystem and a very, very collaborative ecosystem together. And that's how we uh, end up with a technology that is making a very, very large impact in the in the IoT field. Fantastic. Um, let's, so let's do this. Let's break down um, kind of LoRaWAN a little bit for our audience. Um, talk about, when we're talking about different kinds of connectivity, there's obviously lots of different ways and paths and use cases connectivity is built for and optimized for. But on the LoRaWAN side, we speak specifically to that. What are LoRaWAN's differentiating kind of technological or technology features? Um, obviously, like from just past experiences and conversations, low power, long range, things like that. But just talk a little bit more about the key features that make it different. Um, and and then go into what those key features are enabling uh, when it comes to use cases and and things connected to IoT that maybe different connectivity technologies that existed beforehand were not enabling. Right. So the wireless communication technology has been uh, in our lives for a very long time with the, the GSM and its variants and the Wi-Fi. And these technologies have been providing us mobile broadband connectivity powering our mobile phones, our laptops, our desktops for uh, applications that are consuming high amount of data like web browsing, streaming audio, video, and um, email, and various other uh, um, social applications. Now, that has been uh, pretty well done for the, um, the human users. Now, as we enter a new era to empower devices connecting, a new uh, need has emerged, which is to provide um, long-range wireless connectivity that consumes the least amount of power. Because with the IoT and especially the so-called massive IoT, where 
we, we are being surrounded by all sorts of sensors and actuators, we have the need to provide autonomy to these uh, devices in terms of cutting the cord, not only for networking, but also for the power. Mm -hmm. We would like to deploy uh, these devices on battery and not having to recharge them for five, 10, and even more, more years. Um, so the, this new need uh, has not been met by any standard. So neither Wi-Fi nor uh, GSM and its variants or even uh, technologies like ZigBee, Z-Wave, mm -hmm. Bluetooth Low Energy, um, NFC, RFID, UWB, they could not fill the gap, which is defined as a long-range technology that consumes very little amount of power to enable devices operating for 10 or more years. Right. So that's where LoRaWAN came into the picture. And, and prior to LoRaWAN, there was other technologies, but they could not uh, completely fill this gap um, for, for two reasons. One reason is the, the uh, technical advantages of LoRaWAN, such as uh, providing low power, long range, but also operating in unlicensed band and also um, um, being a very low cost on the infrastructure side. Uh, and also the LoRa Alliance, again, as I talked about a couple of minutes earlier, having a large open ecosystem, uh, putting its weight behind this technology. So this combination created a very unique technology. Right. Um, so again, the, the low power, long range, I think that's clear. In, in terms of, well, let, let me explain a little bit on the range and the power elements, and then I'll jump on the sure. other elements as well. So in terms of the range, um, so there are different settings, right? There is a dense urban area and an open space. In the dense urban area, a LoRaWAN gateway, which is basically our base station or access point, just a different terminology we use, it can provide coverage for uh, three to four kilometers. And when we say dense urban, we are talking about like, like downtown Manhattan, right? As you move out of the dense urban area, as you start to clear the buildings, then the range quickly goes up to 20 and 30 kilometers. And in fact, this technology, when it has line of sight, the connectivity it provides reach the level of 500 to 600 kilometers. Mm -hmm. That's actually exactly where we are placing LoRaWAN gateways on the low Earth orbiting satellites that are flying above ground 500 to 600 kilometers and providing connectivity to devices on the ground. Right. That's in addition to any terrestrial network that we've been building. Right. And that is happening while the end device is consuming very little amount of energy. The transmission power of the end device are limited to 25 milliwatt. And with that level of uh, transmission power, they're still able to communicate huge distances. Hmm. And a, a, a sensor that transmits couple uh, packets a day, such as a gas meter or water meter, right? that can have a lifetime of more than 10 years once it's deployed until it needs to be fully replaced, it can run on the same battery, the initial charge. Yeah. So these two elements, and then on top of that, we're using unlicensed band. So it's just like Wi-Fi. Anyone can build LoRaWAN networks for their office building, for their campus, for their city. Yeah. And then we have public operators having built nationwide networks, spanning multiple countries, and also the, um, uh, the uh, space-based um, satellite uh, networks. Yep. And then the fourth element is very low cost uh, infrastructure. So uh, an indoor PicoCell, which is 
a box that pretty much resembles a Wi-Fi access point. It comes at around less than $100. Wow, and okay. it has a very similar form factor as a Wi-Fi access point. And we are seeing people deploying site PicoCell LoRaWAN gateways in their homes and offices as well. Hmm. So just two of these, like the long-range, low-power is pretty distinctive, adding the sure. use of unlicensed band and the low cost. That's where we see these networks mushrooming all around the world in an autonomous fashion. Absolutely. Um, one thing I want to ask if you wouldn't mind expanding on kind of at a fundamental level, um, you talked about different types of, of, of networks, like you know terrestrial, we talked about kind of the, the uh, public and private. There's also community, there's you know, the satellite side, obviously. With, um, but can you tell us, just break down a little bit more about how um, or what those different types of networks are, kind of what they mean, the value they, they provide, kind of how they differentiate between each other. Because I know those, those terms get turned around a lot as public network versus private network versus ter test, uh, terrestrial satellite. So just, just tell us a little bit more from a high level, the difference between the different networks kind of out there. Sure. The, the public networks are the ones that are built by service providers mm. for, for selling connectivity. So typically, um, uh, in a lot of cases, the GSM operators seeing okay. LoRaWAN as complementary to their offering, they add LoRaWAN uh, coverage to their uh, GSM-based coverage. And they a lot of them do provide nationwide networks like the ones in France, Switzerland, sure. uh, Netherlands, um, uh, uh, Belgium, Finland, uh, um, Thailand. There are nationwide networks providing connectivity. So if you were to walk into these countries, you can buy a sensor as a consumer, or you can buy you know, a, a batch of sensors as a business and connect them to the connectivity service provided by these public operators. So the, the initial uh, rollout of the LoRaWAN networks, uh, starting from Europe and then spread to America and the, the, the Asia, they have been fueled by the public operators bringing nationwide networks. And then that first trend is followed by the uh, private enterprise networks. These are the networks built by individuals in their residences or by organizations within their building or campuses mm -hmm. like university campus, right. hospitals, or, or the factory floors. And this is equivalent to, to the Wi-Fi uh, that's being used in such environments that the network is privately built by the organization or the individual it's only open to provide connectivity for that individual or organization's devices and maybe neighbors and friends, but not the public on the street. And it's not meant for selling it as a service. So it's a private closed network. So the, the second wave we've been, um, we've been seeing in the lower one market has been the proliferation of uh, private enterprise networks popping up um, again all around the world. And then the third wave picked up, which has been going on actually since the beginning, the so-called community networks where people build, uh, people deploy LoRaWAN gateways for their own use, but then they share the connectivity with the rest of the so-called community gotcha. and they build their uh, uh, shared network. So we have had this from the beginning, but uh, in the past, I would say three, three years, that has started a pretty significant acceleration where um, some of the players started blending cryptocurrency and blockchain together with the LoRaWAN and community networks, which basically uh, set a fire uh, underneath. And, and the, the third type has uh, started to claim its place in the scene. 
So these three types of networks have been happening on the ground by building uh, gateways and base stations stuck on the ground. But also now these are rising to the sky, to the space. You know, these gateways riding, uh, catching a ride to space and starting orbiting around the world. Now we see uh, public and private networks being built based on, on uh, Lorwine gateways uh, on yeah. board uh, LEO satellites. So on the ground and in space, three different types of networks we've been building. And like I said before, because of the low cost nature and the unlicensed frequency use, they have been mushrooming all around the world autonomously without having to coordinate with each other. Right. On the other hand, we've been also able to integrate them together in a very collaborative spirit and in a very lightweight interconnection. So the networks would start uh, um, integrating to provide a unified coverage to, to the users. Um, and we've been able to set up roaming between any combination of public private and community networks, both on terrestrial and space-based networks. And um, this is also one of the uh, elements that sets us apart from the competing technologies. Um, some other competing technologies, even though they might be using unlicensed band, they are typically uh, a closed ecosystem. So there's like a single operator all around the world. There's no way for uh, networks to collaborate. And in other cases, like as in case of GSM, um, it's licensed band. There are only public operators. There's not even any possibility of integrating networks with the private sure. ones. So, uh, so that's that's been a very uh, essential differentiating factor: our ability to autonomously grow networks mm. at their own pace, and being able to combine them in any arbitrary form and shape uh, to form uh, many unified networks uh, serving serving the IoT devices. Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually going to be one of my next questions, which is around the ability to, to unite these different networks through the collaboration, roaming and things, you know, using using kind of the backbone there. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, I do out of curiosity, just from from uh, the perspective of an alliance, you know, you guys are all um, you're engaging with tons of different companies. You're seeing a lot of different angles on, on solutions being built, the industry evolving um, over the years. Um, you obviously have a unique perspective coming from Actility as well. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you all have seen just in the market in general? Um, how are you maybe, um, as it relates more to adoption, I would say, is just, are, are, is there anything that um, kind of is sticking out to you as some of the biggest challenges that the that the industry kind of faces at its current time right now? Yeah, well, the, the biggest challenge we're facing is stemming from the nature of IoT. Um, mm. At first sight, the IoT market appears like a huge market with a potential to reach billions of devices. And as one enters into this market, it clearly becomes apparent that it's not a market, a single market of a billion, but it's a market of like 1,000 small segments of yep. each of yeah. size, another thousand. Right. Um, well, so there are so many different use cases and every use case requires an end-to-end -end integration of multiple elements, like the sensors, the end device, the connectivity, the core network applications, and involving system integrators, and, and, and the operational aspects, and how these things get physically packaged, and how, how they go to the market, and how they get supported. So one would expect, like, if you were to narrow down the, the scope and say, hey, I'm just going to do a tracker, your life would be easier. 
That is not so because building a tracker solution for a pet is different than building a solution for livestock, than for, for, for people, than for vehicles and machinery and all that. Uh, so obviously there is some reuse, you know, from one use case to the other, but typically there is anything between like a 10% to an 8%, you know, rebuilding the solution or rebuilding the whole system uh, from the beginning. So it's, it's, a, it's a vastly um, uh, fragmented market. And yeah. that's not just for LoRaWAN, but for any, anything IoT. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty large-scale large challenge that we've been um, um, going after. And uh, we've been making great progress uh, despite this challenge. So what I do is, again, having an open ecosystem. And we've been, we started building just one piece of the puzzle, yep. just the connectivity, link their connectivity between the end device and the, and the core network elements, right? Yep. And from there, we started building, uh, growing the solution to involve more elements to decompose the network to achieve even greater interoperability. And also start moving up the stack, not just the so-called connectivity, but also started standardizing uh, things that would facilitate application development. So right. uh, step by step, we are providing a more complete solution. And while doing so, we are also pretty well integrating with other wireless technologies and other ecosystems. In, 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 one, in some sense, competing ecosystems, wherever we're um, complementary. And also other complementary ecosystems, the existing legacy IoT application stacks, we are adapting them on, to run over LoRaWAN. Right. So a recent announcement from LoRa Alliance is the support for IPv6 over LoRaWAN. Mm. So even though all these technologies are, we're talking about IoT, majority of these uh, highly efficient connectivity technologies like uh, BLE, ZigBee, Z-Wave, they don't... They have a mode of operation that doesn't support the internet protocol, which is the foundation of the internet. Right. And and they don't, and we haven't, for the sake of having a very efficient uh, connectivity technology. Uh, and then later, we've been doing a collaboration with the uh, Internet Engineering Task Force, which is another standards organization in charge of uh, building the TCP IP stack that runs mm -hmm. all in. And, and through a collaboration, we have defined a very efficient way to carry IPv6 packets over LoRaWAN. Okay. So now uh, IPv6-enabled applications can readily run over LoRaWAN connectivity. So uh, through multiple uh, additional integration and growing our space of uh, our work scope, we've been taking a bigger chunk and we've been handling a bigger chunk of the end-to-end uh, problem space, and that's been that's been accelerating the the adoption of the uh, of LoRaWAN, and also solving you know numerous IoT solution uh, problems. Um, the 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 other challenge that we're facing is usually um, for for a relatively newer technology that's been around for for six seven years. That you know there's still a lot of uh, information dissemination we need to be doing. So um, that's um, yeah, that's that's another challenge we've been taking up, and uh, through our events, webinars, sure. and our ambassadors going around and talking yeah. about LoRaWAN, so we've been we've been um, cracking that problem as well.
Fantastic. Yeah, I actually want to talk about the event here in a second, but I think it's important to kind of reiterate a lot of the stuff that you were just saying. Um, the fragmentation of the market is a huge challenge. Um, and the the more options people have out there from a connectivity standpoint, hardware standpoint, um, software, you name it, the more likely they are to have, find a better fit um, of all those components for uh, particular use cases, solving particular use cases, um, whether it's um, use cases that require a, a lot of data being transferred, small amount of data, whether it needs different, you know, shorter or longer battery life, um, stronger, we, you know, different kinds of connectivity, uh, accuracy as far as uh, different different kinds of tracking solutions go. Just the more possibilities or the more options that are out there, the more likely use cases are to be built. And I think LoRaWAN does a fantastic job um, really focusing on the low power, long range, uh, low cost side of things. And um, th the further we can kind of drill that down, the further we can make things more reliable, more secure, more low cost, the more likely we are to see adoption drive uh, even higher for, for the IoT space. So um, so I think a lot of your points are very, very well taken um, and carry kind of across all different industries and not just, you know, it's not just one market, as you said, it's, it's thousands of of individual markets that all need to be thought about um, in order to, for them to be successful, because it's not a generalized approach that you can take uh, when it comes to these solutions. Right, exactly. Yep. Um, but speaking of an event, so um, I wanted to, the last thing I want to do before we kind of wrap up here is the LoRaWAN World Expo event in July in Paris. Um, tell us a little bit more about that, what the focus is, what the what the event is like, um, what people can expect who are interested in attending or are attending, um, and just, just more information in general. Sure. So we have this great event coming up uh, in July 6th and 7th in Paris, the LoRaWAN World Expo. It's the largest uh, LoRaWAN event uh, to take place. Um, and so we, we're going to have numerous things happening at that uh, event. We're going to have panels uh, with the industry players talking about what they've been doing with this technology and what kind of use cases they've been uh, implementing mm -hmm. and problems they're solving. We have presentations, we have uh, um, technical tutorials, uh, we are going to have an exhibition area, uh, numerous players will come and demonstrate their latest and greatest products and technology. Right. And you can, well, anyone can expect to see um, all of the uh, dominant players in this field to be present, to have open conversations. Yep. And we're going to have several um, prospects who will be uh, checking out our technology. So it's going to be a great place to meet uh, old friends and make new friends and, and, and meet the partners. So I would highly encourage uh, folks who have been using LoRaWAN, who are wanting to grow their business or yep. who would like to get a, get a sense of how this technology works, and what kind of use cases have been uh, have been realized to come out and meet us, and 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 we will have a great conversation there. Fantastic! Yeah, it seems like an amazing event, um, and we've been promoting it out to our audience. We think it's going to get a lot of lot of attention. A lot of people I know we have partners of ours who are already attending, uh, planning to attend. So very exciting stuff. Um, but thanks again so much for your time. This has been a conversation that we've been able to really dive into a, a lot of the meat of, of, of LoRaWAN, what you're all going on at the Alliance itself, um, the value the technology is providing for the industry and kind of the overall perspective of um, what's needed to drive adoption. So, so thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, for our audience out there who wants to learn more about the Alliance and about kind of LoRaWAN in general, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, well, visit laura-alliance.org. We okay. have uh, 
uh, we have many, many material. Just visit the resource library. You will have a lot of white papers, sure. numerous presentations and webinars, a great amount of materials awaiting. So okay. yeah, that's what I would recommend. Fantastic. Well, thanks again so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And we'll um, be sure to let you guys know when this is going out. And we, we look forward to uh, doing much more content together. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Absolutely. Take it easy. All right, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on the IoT for All podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a rating or review and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please drop us a note at ryan at iotforall.com and we'll do everything we can to get them as a future guest. Other than that, thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.